0: SpaceX made history last September with the first all- civilian mission to orbit a three-day trip led by benefactor and commander Jared Isaacman. Now billionaires going back.
1: We're gonna go you know farther into space than any any human being has gone since we last uh, walked on the moon.
0: Just days after Elon Musk updated the world on starship SpaceX's 40-story tall fully reusable rocket meant to transport mankind to Mars. Isaacman is announcing a new series of missions that will culminate in the first flight of Starship with people on board. Really in furtherance of SpaceX's you know big ambition of making
1: making life multiplanetary.
0: Jared joined me from Starbase in Boca Chica fresh off of that Musk update to discuss the Polaris program. I'm Morgan Brennan, and this is Manifest Space.
1: Inspiration Four, on behalf of SpaceX, welcome home to Planet Earth. Your mission has shown the world that space is for all of us and that everyday people can make extraordinary impacts in the world around them. Thanks so much, SpaceX. It was a heck of a ride. It's just getting started.
0: That was billionaire entrepreneur Jared Isaacman when the resilient spacecraft splashed down off the Florida coast just after 7 p.m. on September 18th, 2021. It marked the end of an historic private mission by SpaceX that came together in a matter of months. With Isaac Minn, the benefactor, and all civilian crews commander. Did you know then that you would probably go back to space?
1: <laughs> you know, they there was an uh, the audio transmission got cut out on that. I actually said uh, Inspiration 4 is mission, mission complete and SpaceX is just getting started. Ah um, <laughs> But you know, it's just one of those one of those funny things. Um, I I didn't, I did not know. I mean, we obviously had conversations prior to Inspiration 4, but I was very focused on that mission. And then to be really honest, coming back, um, I had a hard time. Like personally, I absolutely wanted to go back, but um, I felt like we really accomplished so much with Inspiration 4. I didn't want to take anything away from it. And if I did go back, I wanted to make sure it would have like a real meaningful impact on the world, that it would really have an opportunity to advance our interest in, in space exploration, but also accomplish some important things here on earth. And and it took me a while coming back from that to really feel like Polaris, the Polaris program was going to was going to get us to that point, and that's when um, that's when I committed, and uh, and now we're back at it.
0: Are you you're going back to space?
1: Uh, I am. I'm really lucky. Uh, so coming off an incredible 18 months of, of just human space exploration, I mean, not just Inspiration Four, lots of great stuff going on. We're looking to build off that momentum uh, with the Polaris program. And what the Polaris program is, is a series of uh, uh, tech demonstration missions, building blocks, if you will, that will culminate in the first flight uh, or first crewed flight of Starship. Uh, now, our first mission is, is called Polaris Dawn, uh, and that will launch later this year. And it has a number of really ambitious objectives. So we're going to go you know, farther into space than any any human being has gone since we last uh, walked on the moon. Uh, we're going to do a uh, EVA or a spacewalk, testing a, um, a new generation spacesuit, and we're going to communicate uh, over uh, lasers using uh, the Starlink satellite constellation. And then we have a, a bunch of research and science that's stacked in between the, the five-day duration of our mission, um, really in furtherance of SpaceX's you know big ambition of making making life multiplanetary. And, and of course, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital is still going to play a very important part in, in the work we're doing here and, and continue to raise awareness for their important cause.
0: Which is fantastic and certainly played a very prominent role in the Inspiration4 mission where you raised something like $240 million and quite a bit of awareness around all the great work that they're doing. How did this come about? Did you initiate this or did SpaceX initiate this?
1: So it, it was It's a great question. It was joint conversations that really went back to last summer. Um, and what was originally just kind of idea, idea sharing, um, you know, started to evolve into, you know, a, a series of missions that we, we finally felt comfortable could be pretty impactful, um, you know, just a just a few months ago. And that's when we moved into the planning phase. Um, but if you think about it, you know, where we're at today, we, we've got a great vehicle in uh, Falcon 9 and Dragon, which is what we flew on Inspiration for. And then you have what what Elon showed us an update on, which is that stacked Starship and heavy heavy booster. Now, there's a lot that needs to happen to go from where we are today to, to flying in that vehicle. And that's what the Polaris program endeavors to accomplish. A lot of tech demonstrations, a lot of first things we haven't seen in a long time that will ultimately shape how human beings are gonna fly on Starship to the moon, to Mars, and, and ideally even exploring throughout the solar system.
0: So is the way to think about this that you are gonna be part of a private
1: spacex crew on these missions so i'll, I'll be a uh, commander of uh, polaris dawn and uh i have, like an amazing crew that we've assembled um like the, their backgrounds their qualifications the amount of trust that we've already um established is so important just given you know the ambitious objectives that we've set out ahead of ourselves so uh scott k Poteet will be the mission pilot he was the mission director on inspiration four um we have anna menon Uh, She's a SpaceX employee, so she is uh, one of two of uh, new SpaceX astronauts. Uh, She's a uh, flight director um, at SpaceX. She's also an engineer. Um, She's worked at NASA before, so she'll be our mission specialist and medical officer. And then also uh, Sarah Gillis, who, if you may recall, she was the lead astronaut trainer for Inspiration4. She's She's trained every astronaut that's gone to space via a Falcon 9 and Dragon, so even the NASA crews. And she was the uh, the core, the crew resource engineer who spoke to us during our mission on Inspiration4. So great, great group that's uh, part of this first Polaris Dawn mission.
0: Wow. So you're gonna be on this first mission, which is targeting the end of this year. So not that far away, again. Um, will you be on the missions behind it? Is the game plan for you to actually be on that first crewed flight for Starship?
1: You know, um, I don't know. <laughs> It, I mean, this is a partnership with SpaceX, and um, I mean, I'd certainly like every every opportunity I can, um, you know, to go up in space and kind of make a very, very, you know, small contribution relative to everything that the SpaceXers are doing uh, towards, you know, making the world a more interesting place when people can explore among the stars. Um, so I'm happy to be play any part I can. Right now, I'm I'm just like totally jazzed up about Polaris and what we have ahead of ourselves and. We'll get through that, we'll learn, and then we'll figure out you know, what's best for the follow on missions.
0: So what is ahead of you over these coming months in, in terms of training? How is it different? How is it more beefed up from the first time you flew a mission to orbit?
1: Well, there's a couple things um, we need to do. We need to become uh, a, a crew. Now we're starting from a really great place, um, but we definitely learned a lot from Inspiration4. We had an incredible crew there and space is hard and things um, can be challenging on orbit. Uh, you have to be really, really tight. You have to be able to kind of predict each other. There's got to be a lot of trust, um, you know, for, for when things don't always go perfectly as planned. Um, so that means just a lot of time in the simulators, um, means a lot of time studying. And it's uh, and some, some of the kind of wilderness activities we did before, like, uh, you know, going mountain climbing and such, getting, getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, there will be some things that won't be as intense as before because we all do know Falcon and Dragon really well. Um, but what we don't know really well is uh, is EBAs or spacewalks. Um, that's a that's a pretty big deal. So we're going to want to learn as much as we can off of all of NASA's experience, and we're going to want to train on that extensively because um, uh, it's a very worthwhile objective for the mission, but it, but it's not without risk, so we want to get that one right, and that'll be you know a big part of our uh, our focus.
0: Of course, you know what I'm going to ask. How are you balancing this against your day job as the CEO and founder of publicly traded payments processor? Shift 4.
1: You know, this is going to be a really awesome year for Shift 4. Uh so our earnings release is in a couple weeks and um I think we have a lot to talk about. Um you know, in a very good way. Um you know, we we've said um we've said since our investor day in November like this is the year we're going global. Uh we've got an incredible customer in in actually in uh, SpaceX Starlink. Um they're providing broadband connectivity all over the world. We are 99.9% a uh a domestic USA focused payments company. So we've got a yellow brick road to follow all over the world. And that doesn't just benefit, um, you know, uh, SpaceX Starlink, but it it does our stadium and entertainment business, our restaurants, our hotels. Like a really long way of saying, like, my eye is not going off the ball when it comes to Shift 4. It's what I've done my whole life since I was 16. Uh, Was able to balance responsibilities and focus really well last year during Inspiration 4. I'm confident I'll be able to do the same uh, with the players program.
0: Does it bring more attention, you think, when you when you do these missions, does it bring more attention to Shift4?
1: Well, I mean, there, there were actually, I mean, there were a lot of benefits uh, to Shift4 from uh, Inspiration4. I, I didn't know that. Um, you know, we, obviously, we had an entrepreneur selection process that, that, uh, that brought us uh, Dr. Cyan Proctor. Um, you know, that was hosted on the Shift4 shop platform. Um, but if you look at some customers that we were able to, you know, um, develop relationships with like SpaceX or St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, or Legion Airlines. Um, you know, these weren't things I set out to do uh, when embarking on uh, this, you know, human spaceflight quest. I just wanted to kind of play my part and help make a contribution. Um, but no doubt, I mean, you, you know, you, you wind up, you know, having interesting discussions from time to time. I have no doubt there will continue to be benefits for, for Shift 4, um, however unintended uh, it seems to happen.
0: What is the conversation like? Maybe this, this is a little bit more of a personal question. But what is the conversation like with your family when you say I'm I'm going back to space, and this time I'm going to go even further into space, and I'm going to go walk in space?
1: Well, I mean, I have an incredibly supportive family. I mean, honestly, long before the shift four board conversation, it's uh, you know got to get sign off from home, um, oh, sure. you know, wife, two daughters, um, but they're all immensely supportive. I mean, you know, my wife and I have been together for so long. Uh, she's seen me throughout my whole aviation career, flying air shows, uh, and she knows me well enough to know that coming back from Inspiration4, that there was a there was a chance. Uh, so she wasn't <laughs> too surprised and they're really supportive.
0: Oh, I, I love hearing that. Um, do you think, I mean, do you think that all of these flights, all of these missions that you're involved in, that we're seeing play out across the sector in general right now, that it's a very real possibility that your children or my children are gonna be Space travelers as well.
1: I sure hope so. You know, Elon made a great case because, for sure, I mean, and you and I have talked about this before. There's a lot of people who raise the question, "Why aren't we doing more here on Earth?" And and we should. And we should absolutely balance those priorities. You know, but Elon made a really good point. He's like, "Look, we can take a a fraction of a percent of a budget or a GDP, or frankly, just fund it privately, like like what's being done right now." Um, you know, to to give our um, our species and civilization a chance on, you know, um, on more than just Earth. You know, it, it, it did not work out well for the dinosaurs. At some point, the sun will grow, um, and we will have to look beyond our universe. Now that's way down the road, but um, we can we can put some energy towards it. And also, I mean, there is so much to learn out there, and it's just part of who we are as human beings to want to explore and try and seek out, you know, answers to, to those questions we've been thinking about. So. It was not going to stay just government astronauts forever. It was not going to stay the exclusive domain of of superpowers. Like, space was going to open up for everyone. This is just a start. Um, Soon it will be many more. And I hope, you know, that if my children someday want to go and and journey among the stars, they'll have the opportunity, as do, I hope, you know, many people uh, and families around the world will have that opportunity.
0: I mean, it's so fascinating to me because one of the things that Elon Musk and SpaceX have done is they have not only challenged the status quo in terms of how space was done before and sort of the government contracting model, but laid out a much more cost-efficient business case. Because at the end of the day, uh, it needs to be affordable to get to space. And if you're gonna start talking about things like colonization of Mars, for example. I mean, as an innovator and a business creator yourself, I wonder if you think we're at a tipping point in terms of not only affordability of space flight, but in terms of just how how accessible it is and how sustainable it is from an economic or a business standpoint.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, no question. I mean, what we should be looking at is just the cost to put mass on orbit. And you know, you rewind the clock 20 years ago, if you're building a satellite, um, you better get it right, um, and you probably have nine other good ideas that you have to dismiss because it's going to cost you a quarter of a billion dollars to put this thing in orbit. Now you have a number of different launch uh, providers. Your, the cost to put mass on orbit has come down to such an extent that we've got cube satellites going up that might only last for a year or two, but could provide us insights that we might not otherwise have had if space wasn't so expensive. Um, SpaceX has given us a lot to this. I, I don't know if everybody you know fully appreciates um, what SpaceX has done, what Elon's done to really buck the trend on government contracting um, to do something so innovative without being funded in advance to do it. Um, and ultimately uh, provide a real benefit to our taxpayers. I mean, geez, we were paying Russia to send NASA astronauts up into space for 10 years after the space shuttle retired. What we need is more SpaceX's. We need them across so many industries. You need them in healthcare. You need them in like other parts of defense contracting. You know, right now, I mean, pretty much everything is, you know, that the military buys is built by Lockheed, Boeing, maybe Raytheon. Um, you need good competition and, and fresh thinking. Um, know to drive down costs and and keep ensure like really the competitiveness of our nation so i mean i love what spacex has done there i just hope to see many other SpaceX's across a number of different industries so you know we can continue to to really lead the world in in um in technology
0: and of course defense the defense business and and government contracting where that's concerned is something you know a little bit about as well because the other company you built (laughs) uh is the largest private fleet of jet fighters um, or, you know fighter jets and and you use those to help train armies and our air forces and militaries um, so you know a little something about that i'm curious how did you end up how did you end up being so enthusiastic about not only aviation but space flight
1: oh well i think i picked aviation because i thought space flight was unattainable hmm. uh I mean, I've been a, a pilot now for 17 years and, you know, do have a background in uh, defense aerospace with, with Draken, which was the other company I started. Um, I leaned into it, embraced it because I thought, you know, that would be the ultimate challenge um, that I could reach in, in the aviation, you know, kind of career field, um, because I didn't think that, you know, there would be opportunities in commercial space flight and, you know, you uh, you have a better chance of really getting struck by lightning and being a NASA astronaut. So, um, it wasn't until, you know, really the commercial space industry and, and what SpaceX and now many others are doing that I thought there was a possibility. And then, and then ultimately that dream really came true, uh, you know, this past year when we went to space as part of Inspiration4. How'd
0: you get involved in, in flying planes in the first place?
1: Uh, so I would describe it as therapy. Uh, you know, I, I started my company when I was 16. Uh, this is shift Four, the payments business. And I felt like I never left uh, the basement for, uh, I don't know, four years or so. I um, was waking up on my keyboard a lot, and I was like, you know, I really need a hobby, and I've always been passionate about aviation and space going back to kindergarten years. So I just I just drove to the airport. Uh, it's like 17 years ago, and I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start taking lessons. And, um, and I would mostly actually fly at night, and there's no Wi-Fi. There's no distractions, and it's so peaceful, and it's challenging too, and I really thrive on that. And I just never gave it up. I just kept flying more and more and looking for you know, more challenging opportunities, like did some record flights, flew air shows, and then, you know, got into defense air, uh, defense aerospace too. Um, but yeah, it was mostly, I, I just needed something else in my life as a, I guess a teenager working, um, you know, 24 seven on a business.
0: And then of course you go on the Inspiration4 mission last year for three days into orbit. I mean, when I hear you talk about flying at night and sort of having no other distractions and the peacefulness of this, I can't even imagine what it was like to be doing that Orbiting the Earth.
1: Yeah, Morgan, it was incredible. I, um, it was really, it was really amazing. I mean, you see now we have so many high-resolution photographs of Earth from space, but it's so much more vibrant. It radiates so much more energy when you when you see it with your own eyes. And then to look away from Earth, look at the Moon, um, look at everything that's out there. I mean, we're, you know, we were we were just under 600 kilometers away, um, you know, from Earth's surface. That's not much at all. I mean, geez, that's like a flight from New York to North Carolina. That doesn't seem so far, right? Um, you know think about how big our solar system is, our galaxy is our universe. So for as far as we went, um, there's still so much more that we have to we have to accomplish. So I, I looked at Earth quite a bit, but then I looked past it and, and looked outward kind of towards the moon and beyond and said, you know humanity, we got we got to get going. Uh, we got to get exploring uh, because there's so much to learn.
0: Do you have regrets from that space flight? Is there anything you wish you had done differently, or you'd had more time for, or is it just this perfect memory?
1: Oh, I mean, I, I have nothing, nothing negative to say at all. It was so incredible. Um, of course, I wish we could have stayed longer. I think we were rooting for a storm to develop uh, in the Caribbean so we could extend uh, our mission for another day or two. <laughs> I had, I had such little minor things. I, I was very mission focused. We have a timeline. When you're, mm-hmm. when you're in orbit, pretty much everything down to the minute. Uh, is mapped out for you, uh, especially certain science and research has to be done at certain intervals. So all I was thinking about is what we need to accomplish next. And and as a result, like some of the pictures I took, you know, they have a little smudge or something in it, which I thought was such a not a big deal at the time. And now I'm like, why didn't I take an extra second to just like wipe off the glass or or something of that effect? But, um, you know, so minor uh, compared to what I was fortunate enough to experience.
0: What was it like physically to lift off and, and also to splash down?
1: So lift off was a lot of fun. Um, everybody was uh, was pretty charged up. You can see it in the videos, you know, Haley was cheering the whole way up. And, and, and the reason is you have, um, you have a lot of confidence in the multiple layers um, of defense you have from a safety perspective. So, you know, something goes wrong, you can, you can pull Dragon manually away from Falcon, come back, splash down, you know, right off the Cape. Uh, so you're very confident going uphill. Um, and, uh, it happens so fast, obviously you're, you know, eight and a half minutes later, you're in orbit. Um, and it, and the G forces, you, you really hardly notice probably because the adrenaline is so high. Uh, now on the way back, that's a little different because there is not a lot you can do manually at all, short of putting the shoots out. Uh, it's all about the heat shield. So it's a little bit of a higher blood pressure event. Um, and, um, and you actually feel the G so much more because your body is deconditioned a little bit on orbit for, for three days. But, um. Yeah, what an experience!
0: Hmm. What is weightlessness like, and and how do you do things like sleep and move around? I'd imagine it's you can train for it to a certain extent, but I imagine there's really nothing like actually experiencing it.
1: Yeah, there's no way to really train for it well. Um, I'm sure you've heard of the uh, the vomit comets. Uh, oh, yeah. And they're a lot of fun, but um, what actually makes you sick on those on those experiences? Um, is the G uh, onset and then the unload, which is how they, they create a, uh, a zero-gravity um, situation in the, in the aircraft. And, um, and that's actually what gets people sick. Now, you don't have that on orbit. You don't have those constant G onset and unloads. So what makes people um, have issues like space adaptation syndrome on orbit um, is very different than what you could potentially train for here. It's a long way of saying there's no way to like, really train for that. And, um, and what I'd say is it feels just like hanging upside down from your bed for three days straight, uh, <laughs> that blood rushing to your head a little bit, um, but it's very manageable. You can work through it. If you are feeling a little, little uneasy, um, about 50% of astronauts have that. There's some drugs that you can take. We, we use that on a couple crew members. They felt great after that, very productive. Um, but yeah, f- imagine hanging upside down from your bed. That's um, that's what it's like to be in orbit.
0: Wow, I haven't heard that description before, but, but that's giving me a very strong visual right now. Um, what's it like working with Elon Musk? Are you going to work closely with him on this Polaris program?
1: Well, I imagine as we uh, so first of all, all, all of the um, all of kind of the mission design, what we what we're looking to accomplish with Polaris Dawn, and um, and obviously culminating in in the first crewed flight of Starship, uh, was all discussed at length with Elon. Um, you know, he contributed quite a bit to the mission objectives that we're aiming for right now on Polaris Dawn. Um, I imagine as we get a lot closer to flying Starship, and you start thinking about things that. He even said, you know, crew controls, crew interior, life support systems, not the priority today. The priority is is getting the vehicle to orbit. Um, so as you you as they're accomplishing that and you're getting closer to the day that Starship will eventually fly with human beings on board, I, I imagine we're going to wind up um, you know discussing that a lot a lot further. But right now, he's he's very focused on getting uh, Starship to orbit, and, and we're very focused on on prepping for Pelayor Sun.
0: Mm. So given the fact that this mission is going to help inform Starship. Are you gonna be spending a lot of time back and forth in Texas or back and forth in LA? Um, I guess, how intimately acquainted with Starship will you become?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I expect quite quite a bit. Uh, so um, we, we've discussed at length that, you know, once things start, you know, once the pace starts picking up here and, and we're seeing more test flights uh, and begin discussing things like crew controls and safety controls and um, uh, ECLSS or life support systems, uh, we're gonna be a lot more involved. Uh, so, very much looking forward to being here. Again, I think this is my fourth time here, and just, as I mentioned, it's like a religious experience being here. So hopefully um, hopefully, there's a lot more trips in the, in the near future. But uh, most of the Dragon and Falcon operations that we'll be prepping for for uh, Polaris Dawn will be split between Hawthorne and uh, Kennedy Space Center.
0: Wow. I mean, and just because you do have Starship in the background as we're having this conversation, and the fact that we did get some updates from Elon, I mean, we're talking about, just to put it in perspective, I mean, we're talking about a rocket system that stands almost 40 stories tall. Um, it has special arms that are going to catch the booster, and at some point, the expectation or the hope is that that booster can be turned and reflown once an hour, and that Starships can be flown to space three times a day. I mean, how how close are we to this type of reality when it comes to space flight? I mean, is it really just a couple years away?
1: I certainly think so. I think we're going to see so many flights uh, out of Boca Chica here in Starbase, Texas, over the next uh, two years. And, you know, SpaceX learns very fast. Um, They celebrate their failures because there are opportunities to get good data and make improvements on their designs. And I think they're going to do a lot of celebrating. I think they're going to learn so much. and, uh, And they're going to get this vehicle to the point of what Elon said it needs to be. If you're going to get, uh, you know, if you're going to make humankind a multiplanetary species, we're not talking about, you know, ten flights and it's done, or or, or two people walking on Mars and, and putting a flag in the ground. I mean, you you if you're going to go through this effort, um, then you have to give, you know, humankind a real chance of being a multiplanetary species. So, um, I think I think we're going to get there, and it's not going. We're not waiting ten years to see it. It'll it'll all be over in the next uh, the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, and of course, you'll go down in the history books as a key part of that process. Um, would you go to Mars?
1: Uh, you know, I'm a tough
0: question, right? I don't know that I would.
1: Um, I think if, if given the opportunity, um, uh, then yes, uh, for sure. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the, in the SpaceX vision and dream. Um, I wouldn't, I, I don't, I don't think anyone should be thinking about one way missions or, you know, we'll get everybody there and we'll figure out how to get them back. I don't think that will ever be part of the plan. But, uh, but, a, but a good mission that, that gets you there and, and learns from it and then comes back um, so you can bring and share that data for, for future missions. Um, yeah, sure, I, I, I would certainly want to be
0: part of that. So of course, now I'm going to enter my lightning round with you, uh, and okay. I'm going to ask you some questions here. We're going gonna to whip through. Uh, Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. Really? OK, who shot first, Han or Greedo? Han. <laughs> Dream crew. This might
1: be a loaded question. I have the dream crew right now. I mean, I, I have so much respect <laughs> for everyone. So.
0: All right. Um, you were to get a star named after you. What is it and why?
1: Oh, I would uh, I would fight to have it named after my uh, my kids. They'd be far more deserving of it than me. So.
0: Favorite food to eat in space?
1: Oh, I mean, I had pizza in space. I mean, who can who can complain about that? That was awesome. Even had jalapenos on it
0: really yeah jalapenos on pizza okay is that is that your go-to it is that's part of the
1: standard for sure
0: <laughs> um best movie about astronauts or about space
1: oh yeah so i would go with the uh the uh, earth to the moon series uh that tom hanks did for hbo um i thought that was really fantastic
0: okay i mean the inspiration for series on netflix was pretty good too i, have yeah, to say. I can,
1: can't say that though I can, yeah. you can okay. say that
0: i'll say that okay best song about space
1: uh um well i would go with uh we uh we listened to renegade driving to the pad so that was kind of like my my pad drive song with uh with hanks so <laughs> i will always think about space um uh for that song from here forth. so to me that's a space song.
0: will that become will that become your song for driving to the pad will you do it again
1: i don't know it depends who i'm sharing a tesla with they might have strong views on what we should be listening to
0: um, best moment in space so far?
1: Moonrise, no question. Uh, never, It was the biggest thing that caught me off guard as I was just admiring Earth and then just saw the moon come around it and, um, and I didn't expect it and it made me think we got to get back there and beyond.
0: And I think that's a great place for us to stop. So congratulations on this newest mission and thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us about it.
1: Yeah, thanks Morgan, I really appreciate
0: it. T plus 30 seconds. Call indicate nominal. The spark mission flame, the Inspiration for crew. Onboard Draven and Doc to Name, Great deal with the crew in the council. That does it for this episode of Manifest Space. Make sure you never miss a launch by searching Manifest Space wherever you get your podcasts and by following the Squawk on the Street podcast. For more on the space race, be sure to watch Squawk on the Street on CNBC. I'm. Right.